You know, as we saw last week, we picked up, uh, we pick up in chapter 2 of Nehemiah, we saw that he had come into Jerusalem after quite the journey, and he had spent three days alone with God, resting in God's presence, and God impressed upon his heart that he needed to go out into, at nighttime and, and without telling anybody and search the walls. As I said earlier, Nehemiah saw more in the darkness than those, the people of Israel saw in the light, because God had revealed to him a variety of certain things. And I would want us to continue to look at not just spiritual leadership principles, but really what it means to walk in the Spirit, what it means to be a spiritual leader. And, and as you'll see, there's lots of principles that you can take and you can apply immediately into the workforce. But if you really want to be a spiritual leader, if you really want to hear God and have God lead you, there's certain principles here that are a must if you want to hear what God has to say. And one of the things that we'll see over and over and over in the, in the book of Nehemiah is that Nehemiah continued to promote God's glory through every circumstance. Uh, and I want us to realize that if you want to continue to hear of God, you can't take credit for anything that God has done. We need to continue to promote his glory and his glory alone. Now, as we, we look at the state of the walls of Jerusalem, the task was huge, and obviously it was, it was obviously going to be a big deal. I don't think Nehemiah knew that they were going to rebuild the wall in 52 days that it was going to be that quick, but he had a plan. But Nehemiah understood things that the people did not understand. You know, and, and there's a difference with a great leader and those who are spiritual leaders. Great leaders have certain qualities and characteristics, but the people that serve with them in many situations don't have much of a choice. But they work for them in order to get a paycheck, you got to do what the boss says. If you're in the military, you got to do what your commanding officer says. If you live in a house and you want to eat, I'll let you figure that one out. Right? But when it comes to spiritual leaders, it's, it's different because spiritual leaders work with volunteer armies that don't have to do anything that they say. And, and you see that over and over. And so here Nehemiah comes into Jerusalem. Here's all these people that had been there before. They had, some of them had been there when Ezra, or at least they understood that Ezra, under Ezra, the rebuilding of the walls failed. And here comes Nehemiah coming in with this entourage from King Artaxerxes and all the officers of the army and all this, and, and that he's going to rebuild the wall. But Nehemiah saw something different. Nehemiah saw that it was about God's glory being made known. Here's the question I want to pose to you this morning that I want you to ask yourselves. Do you really believe that God wants to glorify himself through, and you can fill in the blank, the situation that you find yourself in? Do you really believe that God wants to glorify himself today the same way he did in the Old Testament, the same way he did in the New Testament? No matter what you're going through in life, do you really believe that God wants to bring himself glory through that situation? Now, you know what the right answer is, but the reality is, do you live that way? As we go through challenges of life, do we just look at them as this problem, or do we look at them as opportunities for God to bring himself glory? Nehemiah, as he saw this, he saw much more than burned down gates. He saw much more than the walls that were ruined. What Nehemiah saw was God's glory being at stake. Let's look at Chapter 2 and verse 17. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with gates burned? 
You know, and so it, it, he's not just stating the obvious. Nehemiah sees that it's not just about the walls. It's not about the gates. It's about God's glory. Because the enemies of God had torn down the walls. The enemies of God had God's people in captivity. The enemies of God are laughing at him because of the state of the walls of Jerusalem. It was much more than the walls. It was about God's glory. It's about God's name being at stake. And so he says in the second half of verse 17, Come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. You know, it'd be easy for us to say the same things, that the state of the church in America isn't a whole lot different than what the walls were in Jerusalem. You look at the state of the American church, and most churches, the large majority of churches, some say 80% or better, have already plateaued. They've reached their highest numbers, and most are on decline. And it doesn't take much just to look around us in our community, and many, many, many churches are in that state. There's very few churches that are growing. You can look at the state of the divorce rate in the American church. It's not much different than a divorce rate outside the church. You can look at the state of children in the church and how many, when they go off to college, actually stay in church. There are some new statistics that are making that look much better than it is, but still, we can look at all the different things about our community. How much of an impact is church having on the community that they're in? It doesn't appear to be much, does it? We can go on and on and on, and we can follow all these rabbit trails and say, well, we need to have a marriage class. We need to have a parenting class. We need to have a class about this and that. And we can do all those things, and they're not bad. But let me I just suggest it's much more simple than that. This is what Nehemiah was getting to. The real issue is how do we give God glory in everything that we do? If we would just stop and ask that me as a husband or as a father, how can I glorify God more in that? instantaneously we're going to come up with things, which means me becoming a whole lot less of myself and sacrificial of myself than I do. How can I glorify God as a parent? How can I glorify God as a, as a child? How can I glorify God as a student? How do I glorify God more in my work? You know, we, we ought to be able to come up with things instantaneous that I want to make God's glory known. I want to glorify him more, and the Holy Spirit will give us those things instantaneously. We want to be the church that we need to be. We just need to get back to glorifying God and thinking how we are going to bring him glory. Nehemiah understood this. It wasn't about the walls. It was about God's glory being made known. But there's another thing I want us to see that spiritual leaders understand and, and that they do. And they, 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 because they, they see things differently, they see through their time alone with God, God allows them to see things, and therefore they're able to paint godly vision. Nehemiah, when he came in, he saw what they didn't see. He saw that this was a spiritual problem much more than it was a physical problem of walls. And spiritual leaders have the ability to see godly vision and to cast it in a tangible way that the church can understand. Does that make sense? God gives people to see things through his lens and therefore to cast a vision that's a godly vision that people can hold on to and then move forward. And so we see here in verse 17, Nehemiah says to them, do you see the trouble that we are in? Some of us want to go, duh, how could you not see that? But they were living in it, and they, hadn't, they just became used to it. It was life as it had been. It wasn't just about the walls and the gates. He understood it was a spiritual problem. 
But as we saw last week, spiritual leaders understand that God wants to involve the body. This, this job here was so big that there's no way Nehemiah could do it. There's no way he could do it on his own. And he understood that it involved the body. And so he is casting a godly vision. He's painting this godly vision you know, for them. And we'll see him play this out here in the verses to follow. But let's go back to verse 17. You know, and I want you to see two key words in here. After he says, let us see the, the state that we're in, he says, come, let what? Us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. The NIV, I believe, uses the word disgrace, that we may no longer suffer disgrace. Nehemiah was the guy who's coming with all the letters from the king. We'll see him share a little bit about that here in a moment. He's coming with this entourage. He could easily say, hey, you guys need to rebuild the wall. But he didn't. He said, come let us. There's something special about when God's people come together. It's us, not we or they. It's us when we come together to fulfill the mission that God has given us. Spiritual leaders see this vision. They see what can be. They don't only have to deal with the reality of what is. They can see what can be. You know, it's, it's interesting. Let me just ask you this question. When you think about the future of our church, what is it that you see? That's right. You know, some people see lots of change. That's a dirty word in the church, isn't it? Some people see some uncomfortableness. Some people see some scary days ahead. And you know what? That's all true. Let me tell you what I see. And I've seen this since even before I came here to this church. What I see is God's glory being multiplied. What I see is a small country church that was planted here in a small concrete building that now we're blowing out these walls and God is clearly moving us forward. What I see is a church that in a couple years is double the size we are today. We're pushing 500 on some Sundays. What I see in a few short years is a church that's running 1,000 people. Now, in that, I could care less about how many people are coming, but what I do care about is what our mission is, multiplying disciples with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can see 200,000 people transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ by the year 2020. That is ridiculous in human standards, but I see God paving the way. What I see is a church that's running a 1,000 coming to, together to worship on Sunday mornings. I see 800 of those people involved in connect groups. That's both what we do on Sunday mornings in our traditional Sunday school and what we're going to have to do because we don't have room it, throughout the week, meaning anytime, place, pouring into God's Word, going deeper in God's Word, having accountability from God's Word, having time in prayer, caring for one. I see a 1,000 people that are coming together, 800 in connect groups. And the rest have no idea what they're missing. Of those 800, I see well over half of those being involved in consistent outreach, whether it's the servant evangelism that our youth does such a great job of, reaching out into the community, you know, that we're pouring into those where we work and where we live and where we serve, all out of those connect groups. We're holding one another accountable. We're doing, you know, outreaches together as connect groups, trying to share the love of Jesus so that we earn the opportunity to share the only thing that will change lives, his gospel. Of that 400 people, I envision that within five years that we're sending 100 people on missions trips every single year. Of those 100 people, eventually within, I'd say, eight years, we're going to start seeing people joining 
God's work full-time. Now, all of us should be doing God's work full-time. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to see people going off in the mission field. We're going to see people going being called into being in preachers and teachers, all because of what God is doing right now. That's what I see. Is it going to be changed? You bet it's going to be changed. Is it going to be crazy? Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Is it going to take time? You bet it's going to take time. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Yep. But all for God's glory. That's what I see. That's what Nehemiah saw when he saw these walls. Of course, they're in desecration. But he saw God's glory being revealed. He saw God's name restored. He saw everybody, including King Artaxerxes, knowing that God is the one true almighty God. That's what he saw. And so he painted this vision of that was a godly vision, but he also promoted God's glory every chance he had. He didn't take the opportunity as it would be easy for him to do to take credit for himself. Look in verse 18. And he said, I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, also of the words of the king that had spoken to me. You know, and so he, he could have easily said, hey, let me tell you what I did to convince Artaxerxes to give me all these letters. He didn't. He gave God glory every chance that he could because he knew that it was God who did all these things. Spiritual leaders understand that they have nothing to do with what God is doing. All they can do is spend time with God and, and, and listen to what God is saying through the word, listen to what God is saying as we saw with Nehemiah. He's putting impressions upon his heart and to follow in obedience. They can't take credit for anything. And so he continually tells them about what God was doing. You know, and as they hear what God is doing, listen to what happened next. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. You know, when God's at work, it's pretty hard to argue against that, isn't it? When God shows up, he moves and stirs upon the hearts of people in ways that a leader or a few leaders, they don't have to manipulate and turn. All we have to do is lead you to God in his word. And as we teach people to be sensitive to the spirit, to read the word of God, God takes care of all the rest. He did it here. I believe he wants to do it again. But there's one more thing I want us to see that spiritual leaders understand and that we as a church need to understand. That we need to persevere for the glory of God. He understood he understood that op opposing forces would be there. And I, I, I've experienced this in myself, in, in my life, you know, in the ministries that we've been able to serve, that every time God is up to something good, you better watch out. Because the enemy wants to throw a wrench in it to cease it. Every time. We ought not be surprised. And so Nehemiah understood this. Look at verse 19. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And so they're, remember, we saw, we'll see this play out more and more as I shared last week. That Tobiah is related by marriage. They, these guys would come in and steal from the Jews. They knew these guys well. And so they're standing right there. And they begin stirring stuff up. Hey, this guy came from Artaxerxes. He's rebelling against the king. You better beware. Throwing doubt in their minds. Nehemiah knowing that he would experience opposition said this. Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you, you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. 
See, when God's at work, we need to understand it is the king of kings who's got our back. It's the king of kings who wants to glorify himself. It's the king of kings who deserves our glory, and we need to persevere for his glory. We need to paint godly vision. We need to participate together in one another with the vision that he's given us so that he can continue to glorify himself over and over and over. But the question still remains, do you really believe that in the midst of what is going on in your life that God wants to bring himself glory? I believe for us as a church, there's three significant roadblocks that are ahead of us that we need to be aware of. You know, one is fear, the fear of the unknown. What is coming? Where are we going to move to? What's it going to look like? Am I going to have a chair? Am I going to have a pew? Nope, you're not going to have a pew. I can tell you that. What's it, where are we going to be? I have no idea. It doesn't matter. You're right. It doesn't matter. God's going to glorify himself. He's going to open up doors. We're going to be where he wants us to be. And you know what? That can lead to fear. And the enemy will put stuff in and, and, and we'll have legitimate questions. But we need to persevere for God's glory. He's already paved the way this far. He's brought a buyer to, that out of the blue has offered us this money for this place, which, by the way, is falling apart. We've had roof leaks left and right since that offer was made. It is crazy what is going on, and yet they're still wanting to buy it. So fear is something that is ahead of us. But you know what? Being uncomfortable is another major barrier. Guess what? It's going to be uncomfortable. But we need to persevere for God's glory. When we go through the stuff of life, it is uncomfortable. But when we know that God wants to glorify himself, that in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tragedy, that God wants to bring himself glory, hey, a little bit of discomfort's okay, isn't it? But here's, the, I think, the biggest one. I'm just too busy. You know what? Most of us are too busy. I want all of us to prayerfully consider how busy we are because I don't want anybody to miss out on being a part of God's glory because you're too busy. We've got a lot that needs to take place around here. If we're going to multiply disciples with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ, if this place doubles in attendance in a year or a couple of years, guess what also needs to double? Our leaders need to double. Right? There's no way that we can handle if we had If we moved and opened up our doors in a bigger building and all of a sudden within months had you know, another third of the people that we have and running 750, we couldn't handle. We don't have enough leaders. I believe the leaders are here. I believe we need to intentionally involve leaders, and, and those of us who are in leadership positions need to ask, hey, what is the next thing for this person? How, how can they better make God's glory known? How can I support them to better make God's glory known? How can I help them experience what it is that God wants them to experience in their lives? You know, as I said last week, sometimes that means that we need to step out of the way to let other people serve, or we need to start thinking bigger than what we're doing. You know, some of us, you know, and this wouldn't be me, so I don't consider myself in this, but some people, their wheelhouse is little kids. That, that is how God has gifted them to communicate on their level, my, my gift with little kids is get them wound up and walk out of the room. So if you like little kids, watch out when I come. You might want to shut the door. Oh, that's right. We don't have doors on our little kids' rooms. But I'm not saying that you get out of serving in that area. What I am saying is think bigger 
think how can you multiply other teachers so that if they have the gift of teaching kids, they can experience it. But I'm going to tell you what else is going to happen. You know, some people may start out teaching kids because that's their comfort zone, but the next thing for them is youth. And then the next thing for someone our youth is maybe some adult ministries. You know, and God will begin to move people throughout service in the church. When we are multiplying disciples with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ, there is movement in leadership. People are always going to the next level. And guess what that means? It's uncomfortable. If you're comfortable serving where you're serving, maybe God's not in it. Because I'm going to tell you what, when... God calls me to do things. They're usually so ridiculous that if he doesn't show up, I'm going to look like a complete idiot. Of course, you already know I am anyway, so not much will change. As we conclude today, I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider what God is calling you to do to participate in making his glory known, to participate in what God is already doing through this local body of believers to make his glory known. I, I can see God using this body of believers in such an amazing way. We're already influencing a large span. But when you really think about from Newport News to Richmond, there's not a whole lot of growing conservative churches. I can see this church making and multiplying disciples, raising leaders up from within so that we one day soon can take 150 to 200 of those leaders we've raised up and go plant a church in New Kent or go plant a church someplace else in Gloucester or go plant churches wherever there's a need for a church and reproduce it all over again. That's what I see. But what I see is the need for all of us to participate in that. How is God calling me? Each of us need to ask this question. How is God calling me to use the gifts that he has given me, the experiences he's given me, to make his glory known, both as a member of this body and out in the community? For some of you, that means that God's calling you to be a part of this body of believers, and you have yet to join. God's saying, you have experiences and talents, and I'm, I'm at work here, and I want you to be a part of it, and you just need to join the church. For other of us, other of you, it means that, hey, it's, it's time. The bench warming's over. You need to dive in and participate. I can't tell you where that is, but the best way to do it is just to jump in and serve. Others of you who are serving, you need to start looking around the church, you know, and people that you don't know. We've got a lot of people that are new members. We've got a lot of people that are visitors. You know, and, and go up to them and say, hey, listen, I haven't met you yet. My, my name is, and introduce yourself and say, hey, are you serving anywhere? Well, no, I'm not. Well, I want you to pray, please. Why don't you, why don't you just come to the community dinner tonight? And just see what we do. Maybe that's a place for you to serve. And then you talk to them afterwards. What do you think? Ah, I'm not real sure, so sure, but I really enjoyed watching the youth serve tonight. Wait, let me introduce you to our youth leaders. Maybe you need to check that out and go hang out with them on Sunday night or Wednesday night. Here's the reality. God is in the business of glorifying himself. And if you're too busy, you're going to miss out on what he wants to do through this body of believers, you're going to miss out on what he wants to do in your life just as much today as he did here in the book of Nehemiah. So as we come to this time of invitation, ask God to search your heart. Ask God to lead you and guide you to what he's calling you to do. Maybe there's some of these things, the fear, the, the being uncomfortable, you know, or, or being too busy that God is communicating to you on that you need to just commit to him that i got to figure something out so I can be more involved in what he's doing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today.
Thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Nehemiah and the example that is there for us to follow. Lord, I thank you for his obedience just to walk by faith and, and, and to come to you in prayer and to come to you asking for guidance. And Lord, I pray is that we would do the same, that we'd recognize that the way you communicate, the way that you lead is through time in the word, through time in prayer, through time in just meditation and listening to the impressions that you put upon our hearts. But God, I pray when you put those impressions upon our hearts, Lord, that even now as you are impressing upon hearts here that we would respond in obedience. God, that even though we don't understand what it is that you may be asking us to do, that we would respond in obedience and, Lord, we would see you show up in abundance. Lord, I pray for the things that are hindering people from experiencing your glory. God, that you would touch their lives right now. Lord, the things that they are hindering, really believing that you desire to glorify yourself in their lives. Lord, that you would allow them to let go and to walk by faith and not by sight. God, I pray that you would speak to us in an abundant way, Lord, that you would allow us to walk in obedience in Jesus' name.